Hey, don't forget to check out our great sponsors at SOSCustomTees.com. It's the only place to get official merchandise of the Double Dropkick Show. That's right, SOSCustomTees.com. Hello again, everybody. This is Lance Russell with Championship Wrestling with another big week. Join us right now. Hello there. Welcome to the Double Dropkick Show. I'm Heath Mulliken. And I'm Mark Whitman. And this is the Wrestling Podcast. We talk about the wrestling you grew up with, the wrestling you need to watch now, and stuff. And today, eventually, we're going to talk about some of our favorite wrestling rivalries and feuds. But before we get to that... Wait, before we get to that... Okay. We're going to talk about rivalries and whatnot, yeah. and that's cool. So we're going to, we'll get to it. But I, you just asked me if I had some lewdness. Yeah. And I don't. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, but when I go on vacation, I always like to bring you something back. Oh. I always like to surprise you with a little something. Oh. And you can't even see it right now. It's no. In my, it's in my pocket. Oh, my. But I got you a little something while, okay. I, while, I, while I was up in the mountains. Because I appreciate you. You're a good friend. And I know you have this rivalry with the halitosis. Ah. Oh. So, from me to you, no ludens. But I did get some Tic Tacs on the way here this morning. Because at some point, I'm going to say something that blows your mind, and you're going to go. <laughs> Thank you. So go ahead. Now, Mark, That's I don't a know. Preemptive strike. <laughs> go ahead. I'm spilling yeah. them everywhere because yeah, I'm a yeah. moron. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, can I have one of those Tic Tacs, please? Nope. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you're supposed to be able to. No, you do it. Oh. Like that. I can't do that. So you know, after I got, I now keep Listerine in both of my vehicles now. Really? I yes. Ever since uh, the conversation about it, I have. Uh, yeah, you got me thinking about things. How you been, man? Good. You said spent some time out of town, and I'm good. Yeah. We've had a little bit of. Uh, I had a promo cut on me. In real life, the other day, <laughs> I baby faced it though. Not by me. No, Not by me. No. no which is... But you know what? I think all the promos you've cut on me prepared me for the. <laughs> See, this is what I do. I make, make you me... a better man. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, we talked about Solo, which I, I got to see. I'm hoping to see Ocean's Eight tonight. All my kids ride town, so uh, movie season is officially upon us. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be honest. Other than Jurassic World, I ain't too hyped for anything. Yeah, me either. And even, I'm not real hyped about that. I was never a Jurassic. It was like right past, I think if I'd been five years younger, I'd be all about Jurassic Park. But right. I never was. But I'll probably check it out. I'm looking forward to Hereditary. Not me. Well, I wouldn't figure that you would be. But <clears throat> My kids are begging to see that movie. Yeah, I've uh, heard it's like. I've heard that before, though. That's Every, right. You know, I heard that about the witch, and I heard that about, which is the greatest advertisement for the Church of Satan <laughs> in the history of the universe. Right. Um, have you seen, heard about the witch? I mean, it's. I think we talked yeah, about I think it. I we did, but it's, it wasn't all that great. I mean, I hear this every two or three years, there's some movie that's supposed to revolutionize, revolutionize horror, and it it has yet to do it. I've yet to see anything. People always say, oh, it's as bad as or scary as The Exorcist, and it never is. Right, yeah. right. When that's the, that was the first horror movie I ever saw. Yeah. 
so that set the standard pretty high. Right. Right. Now tomorrow the the trailer for it's weird that we live in a world now where we get hyped about the trailers coming out. Yeah, I, you know when uh, the Force Awakens trailer came out, we watched it live on. Yeah, we did. That's right. And what but anyway, tra- the Halloween trailer is supposed to come out oh. tomorrow, which will be it's Thursday today. So. The uh, the Lego Movie Two trailer came out yesterday, and it was disappointing to me. I loved the first Lego Movie. I never saw it. Uh, loved it. We took the, you know, that was Drake's birthday or whatever. This one, I was uh, okay. Huh. I was excited they were making a sequel. But, uh, yeah. That's our, like, if you ever wanted to know the, the, the difference in Heath and mine, he's excited <laughs> about the Lego 2 trailer. I'm excited about the Halloween trailer. Right. I am also, uh, I'm going to try to go see the Halloween movie. Are you really? I'm trying right. to branch out. Yeah. Trying to branch out. Hmm. But it's the, this is the one by uh, the whatchamacallit guy. Yeah, Danny McBride. That's him. Um, That's yeah. him. John Carpenter kind of has a – he's kind of godfather in the movie, I think. And he read the script and said, oh, yeah, this is – Is it another origin story? No, it is – it acts as though none of the other films in the franchise ever happened except for the first one. Ooh. So they've removed the – the brother sister dynamic, and basically, I think the way I understand it, he has been locked up in a asylum for the criminally insane, and she's kind of been knowing that eventually he was going to get out. Right, so she's been preparing for it to the detriment of her family, of course, and, mm-hmm. uh, and they're all like, "Mom's just being crazy," you know, because this happened to her. And then they're trying. I think, you know, what we would do in in this day and age, they're making a documentary about it. Oh, uh, and something happens, and he winds up escaping. And uh, I thought you said they were acting like none of the other movies ever happened. No, there's the first movie. No, no. What what I'm trying to say is what you're describing to me is all the other movies. What do you mean? Well, what I mean is we know this crazy guy's out there. We got to get ready for him. I mean, you just described Terminator Two. Oh, this this guy's True. a coming. I got to get ready for him, man. Right. She's crazy. Right. And oh, what's gonna? We need to. Oh, he got out. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's still a movie, you know. What right, I mean? right. There has to be a plot in order for the movie to to, and, to drive it. And forward. there's only like six plots to pick from. Right, right. And that's a good one to pick. It's kind of like wrestling to me. There's yeah. only a couple of good. There's really only a few storylines you can. You know, it may be different elements to it, but at the end of the day, usually it's somebody wants to win a title. A couple of guys don't like each other. You know, this Halloween, this sounds like Rocky Three, because you know this guy's out there, and he's hurt you before, Clubber Lang, mm-hmm. and now you're kind of driving your family crazy, and you, your wife. Isn't that one of the greatest movie scenes ever? That scene on the beach. When, when Talia Sh- no, when when Talia Shire, when they have that discussion, and when everything starts, because <gasps> I'm afraid. What if I lose <laughs> yeah. my life? I'm afraid. I don't want to lose what I got. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm afraid too. There's nothing wrong with being afraid. There is if you're a fighter. <laughs> well, you like that one, don't you? I love Rocky Three. Rocky Three is one of those one of those movies that, like, um, maybe the first time you see it as a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't get like it has become my fa- like I would have said Rocky Four when I was a kid, my favorite Rocky Four. 
but you know, looking back now as an adult, when I watch <coughs> like Rocky Three is is my favorite, if that makes sense. Oh, you it, preaching to the choir? It's just an incredible. It's the, to me, it's the best one of the whole for that reason because he's real in that movie. He's yeah. real in the first three. Yeah. Anyway, he's become Superman in the fourth one. Right. And speaking speaking of real, back to Halloween and Michael Myers. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I'm, I will be watching that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I mean, I've, they, they've showed some pictures of it, but the, so the trailer's coming out tomorrow, so stay tuned. Now, when does that come release? How- October. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, there you go. Makes sense. I think it's October 19th, actually. Oh. It's one of the few movies I'm looking forward to this year. So. There's not a lot this summer that... That I really, but the, we've talked, I don't, the summer movie season kind of doesn't exist anymore. It's, there's a big movie that comes out every month or two now. That's all ex- year long, yeah, so, that's so, you know, that's so true. You know, back in the day, it was nothing major came out, you know, right till May. Well, there and now it's when like we starts were, in April. When we were kids, there were like three movie companies. Right, and there would only be like two or three big movies that summer that would go, okay, this movie's going to come out and it's going to play for two months. And, right. And then the next know, one. And then will. the next one will come out. And, but now it's, you know, and there's no counter programming anymore for movies. You know what I mean? No, I don't. I mean, we're used to, you know, the Avengers would come out or whatever, but there would be this other movie that would come out also that was kind of just the opposite of that. Um. I don't. I can't think of an example like right off the top of my head. But like for your wife that might would like to go see. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, you know, gotcha, gotcha. Maybe you know. But now everybody's into everything. So right, everything. right, you right, know, right. Women are into comic book movies now too. For, you know, uh, Mama Mia would be like. Oh, gotcha. You know what I mean? So there's, <clears throat> you know, the Avengers is coming out, but Mama Mia is coming out as well. Right. So like it's kind of. And they would come out on the same day. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying those two movies come out, but right. that's what. But that's kind of what I'm talking that about. That was the strategy, right? So you can kind of get everybody to the theater. But now it's like, well, the Avengers is opening. Let's just give them three weeks because there's no reason to try to compete with that. Right, right. Like movies will change their date not to compete because right. when Avengers comes out, they're putting it on six of the eight screens at the right, theater. Right. So why compete with that? Yeah, I think it goes back to what you just said. Everybody's in to everything. Right. Except for me. I'm not into anything. Yeah, you're not really known for marking out for nothing. No. I try to play everything cool. (laughs) Speaking of playing it cool, you know, at the heart of this, when we started this podcast, we – we were we did list and you know top five heel turns and our favorite WrestleMania moments and I think as we have discussed the last couple of months, like we really want to get back to that. We really want to. I we want. I want to stop analyzing and saying right. this is what should be done. Right. This, I just don't want to do that. There's too many. Here's. There's always a breaking point. Yeah. For me. <clears throat> Um, and it has been coming for a long time. Yeah. But you know what? It finally happened. What's that? With the breaking point in the past few weeks when Jerry Jarrett joined Twitter. <laughs> and I followed him. He's a good follow. He's a great follow. I love it. And he's not the issue. No. The issue is the guy 
that's been watching wrestling for five years or six years. Right. That thinks because he knows Seth Rollins used to be Tyler Black. Right. He's some sort of wrestling expert. And they didn't have they didn't know who Jerry Jarrett was till Bruce Pritchard brought him up. Right. And now they're on Twitter trying to explain the economics of Memphis wrestling to Jerry Jarrett. Right. And I'm just like, that's it. Like that's <laughs> there's no self awareness with these morons. You know what I mean? Right, right, like, right. Who are, who are you? You've you know nothing. Right. You've you've done nothing. Right. This man was the last territory standing. Right. Yeah. The, the last holdout. He was how how what gives you the gall to go on Twitter and try to explain how wrestling works to Jerry Jarrett. Yeah. And I just said I am done with these morons. Yeah. And I'm just starting to unfollow them. Right. When I see these stupid I just ain't got time. I'm not interested in having the extra followers if they want to unfollow me. When I see people with their stupid wrestling opinions now, I just yeah. unfollow. I'm tired of watching. <clears throat> so for me, what I have found it, with the South Carolina Pro Wrestling Report is, see, everybody is analyzing the WWE, the Super Indies, all that. What the South Carolina Pro Wrestling Report, not necessarily South Carolina Pro Wrestling Report, but with behind the scenes, which is for our patrons at patreon.com slash double dropkick. You're we looking do. at the camera that's not there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, as I am, and I am analyzing stuff that nobody else is analyzing, and I'm having fun. I'm just throwing out ideas, and um, uh, and that's been pretty interesting to get feedback and actually say something critical. <coughs> And then there's a booking change, which that was that's been pretty interesting. So, uh, but I'm yeah, I'm with you. Like I, I, I don't know when Money in the Bank is. I will probably watch it. Oh yeah, I'm, I haven't got to watch it. I'm not anti WWE. It's just not on my priority list. I still like all the you know. I still like who I like and don't like what I don't like. But like, I just like I'm sorry to interrupt. No, you're good, bro. I just pick and choose. Yeah, you know what what they're doing now. On the network, if you don't know, is every Thursday they're dropping hidden gems. Yes. So, like, I'm looking for that stuff. I mean, they dropped Roddy Piper and Greg Valentine and, you know, Briscoe right. and Flair. With, and did you see where they left the Ole Anderson um, faux pas uh -uh. in? No. He was like, it was, he said, I'm here with the promoter of such and such. And uh, he said, I, I, what the beep is this guy's name? <laughs> 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 and they left it in, and then he starts laughing, and that was the thing. Like that's the hidden gem. We caught a we caught video of Ole Anderson laughing, yeah. and making a joke, and that was and so that, like you think that I think the hidden gem is the Briscoe Flair match, but it's Ole Anderson laughing and cutting a joke, and that was you know the one time, yeah, the one time that Ole Anderson smiled. They caught it on video. <laughs> We have proof. Yeah, we have proof that he can't, that his muscles do work. <laughs> he does have the ability to smile. Um, I, I, I just feel like you were mentioning Jerry Jarrett. You talk about Ole Anderson. You think about Vern Gagne, Bill Watts, all those guys. It's, it's just not the same today. Oh. <laughs> I mean, like, the Kill me. you got a pen. Right. I want to write that down. Jerry, Jared, Bill, what's who was that? Ole Anderson. Ole. Uh, uh, o L E. O L E. Yeah. It's just not the same 
right today. And you could even oh, dash, Vern Gagne, Vern Gagne, dash Heath, Heath Mulligan. <laughs> like you even compare like somebody like what you know all those guys were in. I mean, took bumps were in the business, and then uh-huh. you had somebody like. Uh, I mean, even Vince. I mean, even I mean, maybe even Vince. I mean, I think yeah, it's just different. But that's okay. Oh, Vince wanted to be a wrestler. Right, right. I think he made the right choice. But you can tell, like, when Vince first started doing those matches with Stone Cold, and this is one of the reasons, like, I'm not a Vince hater like a lot. Like, you can just tell this guy's having the time of his life. Yeah, I always said, even then, I was like, this this billionaire does not have to be doing that. No, no. But he is. Because he knew the money was in him well, getting his come up. Not only that, but you can say what you want, but and the man has probably had a lot of people do a lot of things, but he has never asked. He's done. He put his face in the crack of Big Show's rear end. Yeah. And Rikishi. Yeah. So, it, you know, even when you'd say joining that, that kiss my butt club, I, I'm, I'm trying to church it up for you, Heath. Trying to be a little bit cleaner here. I've been catching some flags. If you could use rear end. Rear end. <laughs> his bum. Uh, <laughs> so, like, whatever he asked people to do, he did that stuff, too. But right. I'm trying to clean it up for you. I know we've both been getting the messages, why am I so mean to you? And You know. Allegedly. Allegedly we've been getting those messages. You know, Jesus, man. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> taking the Lord's name in vain. But, um. Jesus H. Christ on a rubber crutch. <laughs> don't even know what that means. I don't either. But learn to take a joke, people. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe, you know, if you do things, I don't necessarily think that everybody else is who their gimmick is right. in real right. life. Come on, man. <laughs> I mean, a lot of you guys, a lot of you guys listen to the podcast, you've never met me. I'm a curmudgeon. I, like a, I mean, you and ask I, anybody, and I'm the nicest guy in the world. Everybody <clears throat> likes me. If you if you've ever seen me at a wrestling show, you will not see me talking to anybody. I ain't shaking hands. I'm off in the corner by myself. Right. I out like if you and me, I'm a social butterfly. How you doing? Good to yes, see right. you. Glad you're here. Mark goes from row to row at the show. You guys doing okay? <laughs> can I get you anything? Can I get you anything? Anybody need some popcorn? Anybody want some nachos? Right. Just let me know. I'll take care of it. Right. Right. But when we get here, we kind of switch roles. That's right. That's right. You know. And a lot of it is. Um, a lot of it is the acting classes we've been taking. They have, they've, our, uh, our coach, uh, Janet, has been telling us, why don't you guys do some role play, a little role <laughs> reversal? And so that's what we're doing a lot of times. I mean, it's really stretched me. I don't know about you. <laughs> well, I'm glad our role playing has really stretched you. Oh, it hasn't really stretched me as much as it stretched you. <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you did say that thing at my house. <laughs> oh. So speaking of kind of like that being, I want like I didn't even intend to talk about this, but I just want your opinion. Yeah, like real for real, right? You know. So I'm at Walmart yesterday. Yeah, and we're walking around, and I see this dipstick, <laughs> and he's got his dog with him. Yeah, he's walking around the food, and he's got the dog, the little dog, the little yappy. Yeah. So, 
And I, first of all, I just I don't understand that. I think that the people bringing these dogs in is like. Just like everything else, we when we attack the the stuff that doesn't matter, right? It impacts the stuff that does. Like there was a guy the other day who was blind, uh huh, and this really happened. So he's blind, and he was trying to go into a Chinese restaurant, uh huh, and he had the C and I dog, and they told him he couldn't bring the dog in the restaurant. Oh wow! Well, according to the Americans with Disabilities Act, he can bring the dog in the restaurant, right? Um, but they told him that he couldn't. Because there was a little bit, there was a little, some cultural differences that they didn't understand. Like the right. people who owned the restaurant, right, didn't understand that it was a C and I dog. They they don't serve that kind of dog there, right? There was in a, more ways than one, <laughs> right? There was a there was a communication breakdown. Yeah, that yeah. I, no, I need like this is I can't see. Yeah, because they actually said to him, "We'll just tie him up outside. You can watch him through the window." <laughs> No, this happened. I'm not making this up. Oh. So the people, and now he's outraged. Right. They've, you know, discriminated against him. Right. And that, but, you know, it was a mistake. Right. And it was a mistake. It's obviously they didn't understand. Right. They didn't understand. But it was a mistake that was made because of people like the guy at Walmart. Right. That's walking around with his dog. Well, that used to not be. Yeah, you just can't bring your pets into stores where there is food. I get places like Lowe's, and but but doesn't like it say that. on the door only service animals? Right, right. But now we've got this emotional support thing, you know. This oh my word! Because uh, you can go online and buy those vests and stuff now and put the patches on it. Nobody knows. But that has created a situation now where now this guy who actually needs the service animal. They say something to him, and it's blown up, and they're going to have problems. That's not the point. I just wanted to talk about that. The point is, I walk down the aisle, uh-huh. and I'm already going, oh, this dipstick. You know right. what I mean? He's with this dog. and Just to get by a kennel, yeah. put the dog in it at the house, and when right. you, you're just going to Walmart. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. The dog's not going to be emotionally scarred. He's going to be happy to see you when you get home. Right. Just just go to Walmart. I can't miss you if you don't go away. Right, I can't miss you if you don't go away. And so I'm walking down the aisle, and then he starts talking to me. To he's, you. He's this guy. Mm. We don't know each other. Mm-hmm. But he wants to have a conversation with me. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in the mood. You were still in character. I, you know, hey, I think you're an idiot because you got your dog with you. Right. I've already... I've already passed judgment on you. I come down one end of the aisle. You're on the other end. Before I got to you, I've already figured out who you are in life. Right, right. You know, you're the guy that brings his dog to the food food aisle at Walmart. Right. I already don't like you. Right. Strike one. Strike one. And I'm an introvert. Strike two. I am not, Mr. Let's have conversations with perfect strangers. Right. You don't like having conversations with relatives. Right. Well, people I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? People I like, people I love. <laughs> Sometimes I don't want to talk to them. Right. So I definitely don't want to talk. Right. To other people. Now, so I get up there. He starts just. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm a diabetic. I mean, I'm. Man, well, you got to go fund me page. You're fixing to try to sell me. I, what do you want me to do? Right. You know what I mean? You're yeah. standing in front of the Twinkies. <laughs> do you remember when like telling being me, telling me that you're a diabetic? Do you guy? remember like when being a, I mean, 
and I got family who are diabetic. But like when oh, somebody used to be a diabetic, it's like one out of a hundred. Yeah. Now it's like every other person. It was almost like a death sentence. You would be right. Like, oh my God! <clears throat> Did you hear about JoJo? He's diabetic, you know, yeah. and now it's like his six. Wilford Brimley made it more common. <laughs> That's true. And it's because we're like, we drink corn syrup. So anyway, anyways, the guy's <laughs> talking and I give him the yep, 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 yep. And he just like. What's he saying? I don't I don't know. Cause he's just trying to engage me. Yeah. And he wants to talk about donuts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I like, oh, I like these Twinkies. I got, I'm a diabetic. You know, it's that kind of thing. Right. So I just kind of keep walking. Yeah. And he's talking, and I can hear him talking. And I just walk off. Yeah. Because I'm just at a point in life where I don't feel like I have to stand around and have a 10-minute conversation about something I don't care about with somebody I don't know. I'm past it. I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. It's a, It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. I don't need it. It's not mm. going to – you know what I mean? Right. It's not like he's an old dude that I'm standing in line. So I can deal with that. Right. You know, how you doing? Well, good to see you, my friend. You know, yeah. like, I don't, I'm fine with those little small social interactions. Don't right. misunderstand me. I'm right. Not, but just a perfect stranger that wants to take up 15 minutes of my time. Yeah. I just ain't got. Right. I don't have the 15 minutes. Right. I'm sorry. Does that make me a bad person? What, what What's your opinion on that? Because my wife said, you're so rude. Not like she was fussing at me. Right. But like, she was like, you were so mean. You know, people like, she said, you do that all the time. Like, people will just try to talk to you and you just ignore them. You just keep walking. I'm like, are they people that I know? Right. She said, no. And she's like, and she wasn't fussing at me. It wasn't right. like she was insulting me or anything. It was right. just, she was saying, you're, you're kind of mean to people. When they How try can, to have conversations with you like that. But is it, to, in my opinion, you're being rude. By her standard, it would be rude to pass by a hitchhiker. <clears throat> no, no, I don't think she's saying that you should be required to stand around for an hour and talk. But I think she's like, she was just saying, God, you're so mean. She was like jokingly, she was laughing about it. Oh. It wasn't like she was reprimanding me for not. Standing there and having a conversation. Oh, gotcha. like, to her, it was a joke. She was right. like, "God, you're so mean." Oh, yeah, gotcha. it was that kind of thing. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't an argument where she was defending oh. this other guy. And that's not what I mean. Like jokingly, she was talking about how mean I was because she did thinks she, it's did funny. Did she talk to him? She kind of she she lets me be the rude one. She's like, I would stay and talk, but you know, I got to deal with this asshole. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, she loves it. She she'll say all the time, "Do you want to do this?" Like she'll know that I don't want to do it. Do you, hey, do you want to do this? And I'm like, no, you don't know I want to do that. She's like, oh yeah, I know. I just need you to say no because I don't want to do it either. <laughs> and I said, well, you can blame me. She said, oh, I blame. She said, you don't know how much in in 20 years of being together that I have blamed. <laughs> People, people ask to do stuff. She's like, I would, but you know how Mark is. <laughs> so, so, what's your opinion on that type of thing? Well, you got to understand. 
I got a different. I, I'm a complete opposite. You would have stood there and you'd have you'd have had prayer with the guy after a 20 minute conversation about him being healed <laughs> of his diabetes. I understand that. <laughs> but, <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Smell a little sarcasm. Um, <laughs> I think that's what that is, but. Uh, no, I mean, I if somebody says, "Hey," I'll say, "Hey, how you doing?" And then I'll I'll, I'll give do them that. I'm some, not, I'm not, sometimes it's I'll not like uh, people go, "How you doing?" And I go and turn my nose up at them. I do that, right? I'm just talking about if somebody wants to draw you in, somebody you don't know wants to draw you into a conversation about their life. I'll give them. It just, I guess, a lot of it depends on the situation. Mm-hmm. But I'll I'll go so far like I'm not I probably wouldn't have a 20 minute conversation mm-hmm. with with the person, um. But you know I I'd, I'd listen or whatever and you know and uh, I will sometimes see people that I know across the store and go and and work my way around them so that I don't have to talk to them. Right, right. <clears throat> what, I see what kind of. Oh, he's going down this way. I'm gonna head over this way for a few minutes. And there, there are times that I have done that, <coughs> but uh, you know, typically, typically not. Typically, I'll engage. Like I, we both have the same hat on right now. Which yeah. is we didn't plan, but we both got the Boston Red Sox hats on. When I go places, a lot of times, like like Disney, yeah, and whatnot, I make sure to wear a hat with no sports team logos and whatnot. On. Because I got stuck in a line with a guy for like an hour one time that raped my ear about SEC football. Uh, I had a Carolina hat on. And it was just, I like football. But you understand, I work every other weekend. Yeah. So, I can't follow it. Yeah. Like some people can. Because (laughs) I don't get to watch all of it. And I, dang sure, I don't know everybody's name on the first string. Right for for Carolina. Yeah, 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 yeah. I certainly don't know about the third string quarterback at Ole Miss. Right, but there's some people. But that there do. are some people, and he was one of those guys. Wow. And he thought because I had a Carolina hat on that I must have been a bigger fan of SEC football. And that's when I watch college football. That's generally the conference that I watch. But I don't know who none of these people are. What um, um what kind of hat do you wear? Like a- whatever I can find. I got. A lot of times, pro baseball doesn't get it. Right. Is You know, college sports is what gets you into conversations with people. Pro sports don't usually right. do that. Cause Normally, it's just a nod, hey, go Sox, that kind of thing. Right, right. It's that, hey, Boston, all right. Yeah. I had a Braves hat on up in North Carolina, and the guy that was driving the shuttle that we were on, he was mm-hmm. like, hey, you like the Braves? I said, yeah. He said, you from Atlanta? I said, no. But I grew up in upstate South Carolina. That's just our team. You yeah. know what I mean? They're America's team. Yeah. He said, yeah. Yeah, I always liked the Braves, too. And that was it. Yeah. You know. He didn't say, boy, you remember Ron Gant. He was something. <laughs> right, he right. He was something else. Right. It wasn't any of that. Pro sports, <clears throat> you don't usually get that. But college athletics, man, people want to tell you everything about their school. And see, you used to could wear Clemson stuff. And nationwide, people right. didn't know. And now. Right. Obviously, that's uh, different. Well, you Clemson fan. 
Well, yes, I am. Let me tell you about da, 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 da. Oh, God. But I'm a Clemson fan that grew up in Clemson. Right. Yeah. And I come a, by it honest. And I grew up. The opposite. Just the opposite. Like right right next to it. And I hate I hate it because of that. Yeah. Yeah. Man. The um, Like, I don't like Carolina as much as I hate Clemson. Right. Right. Just dealing with the drunk. And I don't know that you hate the football team more than you hate the community. The people. Yeah, I've, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've been – I was at, at the Bilo parking lot in Pendleton one day when all these yuppies pulled in and jumped a bunch of empty beer bottles. And they're driving through my neighborhood drunk. Yeah. They're driving through where I live drunk after this ball game. If I lived in Carolina, I would probably be a Clemson fan. If I lived in Columbia, I'd yeah. be Carolina. If I lived in – if I lived five minutes from Williams-Brice Stadium, I'd be a Clemson fan. Yeah. yeah. But you wouldn't know me. That's true. And we wouldn't have this podcast, and I wouldn't be the man that I am. That's true. That is true. Yeah, dogs in Walmart, the whole emotional, this is my emotional support animal. And I'm fine with that if you're a veteran. Correct. 100%. Forces, 100%. Please don't think I'm – some people need that. I'm yes. Fine. What I'm talking about right. is the people that go online, buy a vest – yeah. For their dog. Yes. Buy the badges, but it's not really a service animal. Yeah. I'm talking about real service animals that have been trained for that. No problem. Yeah. That's, man, who would, if you got a problem with that, you're a, you're a moron. If you got a problem with any veteran getting any help that they need. Right. That Yeah. Forget you. Right. Forget you. I'm not talking <clears throat> about that. I'm right. just talking about the fat guy that doesn't have a job and takes his dang hamster with him everywhere he goes. Right. That's what I'm talking about. Right. Right. What would your emotional support animal be? A tiger or a grizzly bear or something like that. A great white shark. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> this is my emotional support, great white shark. <laughs> <laughs> you know what movie I'm excited to see that I know I'm going to take Drake to see? The Megalodon. The Meg, yeah, the Meg, yeah. I'm definitely going oh, yeah. to see that. We will be there. Because I know what I'm getting. I ain't going for – it ain't going to be a five-star match. It's going to be a three-and-a-half-star match. Right. There's nothing pretentious about this film. Yeah. It's telling you exactly what it is in the crowd. It's a big old shark, and Jason Statham's going to fight him. <laughs> Heck, you had me at Jason Statham. You had me at – if it's just a big old shark, if it's just Jason Statham, I'm going to watch that movie. But Jason Statham's fighting the biggest shark in the world? Yeah. Man. Listen, you know, I, I got one word to describe this movie. Franchise. Man, it is. It's a franchise novel. Because. Uh, know, the books are, are huge. I have not, did yeah. not know there were books. Yeah, it's based off a book called called Meg. And, yeah, there's a whole series of books about this character and these like all these, this is just the first chapter. If it does well, there's all sorts of undersea creatures that exist in this. Universe. Jason Statham versus the giant squid. Jason Statham versus the Bermuda Manta Ray. I mean, who knows? Jason Statham versus the Sasquatch, the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, it's there's, yeah, it's one of the greatest rivalries in. Fiction, which leads me to our conversation today, 
some of the greatest rivalries. Wow, we shoot the scat for how long? And now we're going to get to the real 35 show. minutes. Now we're getting to the show. That's right. That's right. Uh, so it'll be in the show notes where you can skip to <laughs> if you don't you, if you don't like us you can just skip to the regular stuff. Yeah, I'm excited for that movie. Um, so I want to just talk about you know we just mentioned some rivalries feuds. So just off the top of your head, when you think about wrestling and you think about feuds and rivalries, what are two that automatically pop into your head? Um. Two that automatically, when I hear rivalries, I, Dusty Rhodes versus the Four Horsemen. Yeah. Um, and everything that goes into that. Yeah. And uh, Austin McMahon. Yeah. Generally pop in, but I don't know, the, like those are not the ones, everybody talks about that. Right. And so I'm, you know? yeah, rock and roll, for me, I would have thought what you said, Dusty and, and Flair and the Horsemen, Rock and Roll Express, Midnight Express. And so those are not. The ones I want to you know, free, talk about. Freebirds Von Eric. Right. That's a definitely another uh, one. Absolutely. another famous one. Um, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels is a great rivalry. Real life kind of right. which makes for the best. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ted Turner and uh, Vince McMahon. Yeah. It's a cool rivalry to think about. As much as Bischoff thinks that he was in a rivalry with Vince McMahon. <laughs> right. I'm pretty sure Vince McMahon never considered Eric Bischoff a rival. Right. Right, right, right. Um Coco be wearing the honky tonk man. That's another Coco one. Coco be wearing the Patriot. Have you ah. ever? Not not Dale Wilkes, the uh-huh. Patriot, the the Memphis Patriot. Ah, uh, yeah. There's a. You've never seen Coco Beware versus the Patriot. I've seen him go to town on somebody. Okay, that's. It. I didn't where, realize where, that was the where Patriot he, where he beat the guy. But it's not. It's not Dale Wilkes. Right. You know, it was just another guy that they called the Patriot. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, Coco. Yeah. Yeah, Lance Russell was like, oh, Coco. Goodness, Coco. <laughs> Calm down, Coco. <laughs> so, Jerry, um, Law- Jerry Lawler and Bill Dundee. Yeah. Let's, I'm going to start with that one. Okay, so that's one you do want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, Jerry Lawler and okay. Bill Dundee, man. Um, if you go – I'm not going to detail the whole, <clears throat> the whole feud for you. Yeah. But if you want to see it, you can go to the High Spots Network. Mm-hmm. Sign up for the free trial. There's a dang wasp in here. There's always a wasp in here. That's right. It, anyway, um, you can go to the High Spots Network, and they have a lot of that Memphis wrestling yeah. on the High Spots Network. And they have a DVD, several of them, as a matter of fact, of of Lawler and um, Lawler and Dundee. Like They got one, I think, that's just the loser leave town matches. Yeah. You know, and the way those guys would switch back and forth, and they team up, and yeah. somebody get mad, and then they turn. I mean, that's just a great, hard hitting, a lot of high spots, and they just uh, kept getting making money off of yeah, it, man. So yeah, that's like this real great blood feud that is overlooked a lot of times by wrestling fans. And if you're on the High Spots Network, on the le- if you go to categories on the left hand side. You can now watch videos from the SOS Custom Wrestling Network, and we get a kickback from that, and uh, so that's appreciated, appreciated as well. But yes, uh, Jerry Lawler, Bill Dundee, definitely one we did not grow up on, but one we've both yeah, yeah, definitely I mean, learned to appreciate. And you want to see, you want to see heat, man, heat between two people. If you've not seen the DVD Memphis Heat, which we did a whole yeah. episode on, mm-hmm. it's it's absolutely yeah, it's, uh, it's really good. 
phenomenal. Can I share one? Sure. Now, do you want to go back and forth? I don't care. I don't even have it. You got stuff. I don't have any notes. I'm just. You're just smart. Just what. We don't have the 83 pages of show notes like more professional podcasts. Well, I had a few in mind when you texted me because you just told me last night I want to do this. I was like, cool, let's do it. Yeah. Um, And I didn't write anything down, but I had a few in my mind. Yeah. But I knew that as we talked, I didn't even think about Dundee and Lawler until we were just sitting here. Yeah. So, and that's a great one. That's a, gr- a great feud. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Lawler and uh, Kaufman. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Austin Idol and Jerry Lawler. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, uh, like Jerry Lawler versus the Monsters. They have that on the high spots. Now. Really? It's just him versus the Kamalas and the Moondogs. Right. You know, all of those, the Monsters that they would bring in. Like, there's some, there's a. Uh, Jerry Lawler versus um, Eddie Gilbert mm-hmm. um, compilation on the High Spots Network. I guess it's still there. I uh-huh. haven't watched. You know, I haven't, yeah. So I assume it's still there. Man, it, Lawler versus everybody. They got these tons of Jerry. He had so many great feuds, man. Yeah. So many people. The, the Austin Idol one, the Eddie Gilbert, and the Bill Dundee are standouts. That that if you're a real if you're a wrestling completist or a historian or you whatever you want to be consider yourself an expert yeah you need to watch all that stuff when you know Gilbert runs Lawler over in the in the parking lot and we throw in the fire and then you could you can see how you can hurt a territory a little bit with the Austin Idol stuff right they did the hair versus hair match and Austin Idol won and they didn't shave Jerry Lawler's head and Memphis had always kind of lived up to their stipulations, but they just gave Jerry Lawler a haircut. They Yeah, gave him a buzz cut. They didn't shave him bald. Yeah. And it hurt their business a little bit. Right. Um, so you can see a lot of that happening. And I think that's uh, that's somewhere. Is that on the network? It may be. I don't know. I know it's on high spots. But that was the first cage match I remember seeing that the cage fit around the ring. Yes. And Tommy Rich came out from under the ring at some point. I remember reading that in the magazine. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is – and they actually sold a VHS of that feud and that match mm-hmm. that I was desperate to – like, I was begging my mom, can we – you can't trust those mail-in order <laughs> yeah. things. Yeah, I used to get that, too. I'd want to buy that stuff. They would be like, nope. And it was like 50 bucks for yeah. a two-hour VHS and tape. I always wanted remembering that you would see the, the Lord of the Rings yes. and the, whatever the other one was. There were two VHSs. Yeah, and yeah. One was here because I think it was Great American, the first that's Great what, American. The one band. had Nikita and Flair on it. Yeah, and one had um, Road the, Warriors, the Road Warriors, and the Fabulous one. Yeah. on it. And I finally bought them. Uh huh. Like <laughs> when I got my own money, and, and I was able, and I finally bought them, and they, like it would be so disappointing now. Yeah, but at the time, I was like, oh, man, I'm seeing, that, I'm seeing something here, boy. That Lords of the Ring is on Hulu. It is on Hulu. Correct. And it is like, oh my goodness! This yeah, is you not watch what, it back now, and you're like, why did I? Want they that? cut out ten minutes of this fifteen minute yeah. match. Mm-hmm. So one that I had, um, I started when I first got into wrestling. I, I didn't even know what all there was, but they used to in the paper, they'd put out the TV schedule, and I saw Saturday mornings World Class Championship Wrestling on Channel Thirty Two. And so I started watching World Class Championship Wrestling, and it was just like a whole different world to me. And before I even knew about the Rock and Roll Express, there were two tag teams that debuted in World Class, the Midnight Express and the Fantastics. And I was absolutely blown away as a kid. Because Rock and Roll Express came in, 
to to Crockett, probably late '85. So this is this is uh, late '84, early '85. Really, before I'm hooked, I'm started. I'm in the process of getting hooked. And I, you, you're talking about two teams. You, you know, they had kind of, you know, they had they had gotten seasoned in another place, and it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Um, and just you add in the um, you, you add in the the, the cornet part of it, um, and it was just really, uh, I mean, I just really enjoyed it. And I, and as we go along, you're going to understand how. But there's a wasp flying around, Mark's <laughs> paranoid, but we'll be all right. Um, and what, if I can go ahead while I'm on the Fantastics, yeah, dude, another yeah. rivalry uh, that, that I think is really underrated because this went multiple territories is the sheep herders and the fantastics Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they had the on uwf they had the barbed wire cage match it was a six-man match and then a lot of people may not know this the very first crockett cup in 1986 the sheep herders and the fantastics had a five-star match Mm -hmm. uh as part of that and i think I think you can see that on – I think that's on YouTube. I'm sure it is. I actually went on there and downloaded that. That's probably illegal, but that's neither here nor there. But, again, the fantastic just <clears> – <throat> there was enough difference between them. For me, there was enough difference between them and the Rock and Roll Express, their styles, um, the the moves that they did, that I really had a great appreciation for them uh, both. What I loved about the fantastics – was they could have those classic wrestling matches with the Midnight Express. The, but then it's like against the Sheep Herders, it's like they took on this whole new persona. Mm-hmm. And it's like they de- – they do- they that's what word am I looking for. They lowered themselves to just – it was no wrestling. It was just a straight-up brawl right. with the Sheep Herders. And if, you, if your only knowledge of the Bushwhackers is them as the Bushwhackers – Oh, yeah, you're missing out. Has there ever been <clears> – <throat> More of a character change in oh, wrestling God, than yeah, sheep herders to bushwhackers. Um, the only one, you know, I'm sure there have been, but um, Scott Johnny um, Scott Levy, when he became the Raven character, yeah, was a pretty big one. Um, just off the top of my head, um, Dusty Rhodes versus Kevin Sullivan from Florida. Oh, oh yes, um, that's. I mean. That's some incredible stuff, man. Blackjack Mulligan's involved and all. I mean, just purple haze. Purple haze coming up. Kevin Sullivan throwing ink and Dusty Rhodes. I, most of this stuff's on YouTube. You yeah, can, you yeah. Can, there's a whole Kevin Sullivan right thing on YouTube. Um, I mean, there's people just believing Kevin Sullivan was a devil worshiper, and I mean, the Midnight Rider stuff come out. You know, the originally all that stuff came out of that. So. Um, and I think Kevin Sullivan did the in re- retaliation of the midnight. You know, he he come out in a mask as Lucifer, and uh-huh. uh, I mean, just it's awesome, man. It's so good. I mean, I don't. I'm not going to go into great detail about what happens. I'm just pointing people in the right direction. Yeah, and you're. Um, I've forgotten <clears throat> about that, and uh, you know, Dusty Rhodes. You know, one great thing about him is he was able to have such good rivalries because when you're the American dream, there's only one American dream, but your arch nemesis can take on five or six 
right, different right. characters. Mm-hmm. You can fight the rich guy. You can fight the pure evil guy. You can fight the monster. You can fight the foreigner. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, I think that's, in my professional opinion, that's one of the reasons Dusty Rhodes. I mean, it's almost like he was booking himself. It's great. I watched, uh, I started watching last night. I posted it in our patrons group. Yes. Um, so you can become a patron. You can. A dollar a month. You can, you can see this. Dusty Rhodes um, took his book from 1987. The actual book where he's got all the cards and wow. the finishes and what the gate was. He's got a book. And he sat down with a guy, and he's going through the book and explaining things. And this was the year of the bunkhouse stampede. And he oh. said, uh, people are always critical of me. Um, he won like seven of them. Or yeah. Like six or seven of them. He said, and people would would be critical of it. And he said, but you know what? I was the bullet of woods. That's my match. Mm-hmm. That match was made, was designed to get me over. And he wasn't – and not be part of – the world title picture right the world title hunt but it still kept dusty yeah because you, know, you like him or not dusty was a big star yeah um, and, that's, and he like unapologetically said why wouldn't i right want those matches that's what i designed them for was to get he didn't lie about it yeah i no. designed them to make me look good that's what i did and he said luger got mad at me one time on an airplane and he said if he could have kicked my, my my butt he probably would have but he couldn't so i wasn't worried about it <laughs> That's funny, man. Can you imagine how different Lex Luger's career would have been if he had been a legitimate tough guy? Oh, man. Could you imagine the time that Brody – Brody didn't shoot on him. That's like the misconception. Right. Brody just didn't cooperate with him. He didn't sell right. his offense. If Lex had whooped Brody in that cage, he'd have had a completely different career. If he'd have said, all right, that's the way you want to play. Or you don't want to sell it, I'll sell it for you. And whoop Brody, that'd have been it. It'd have made him. But he didn't. He got scared, jumped over, ran away. <laughs> that set the time. Like, right. Lex Luger, what year? That would have happened, what, 85, 86? Yeah, it was right before that. Because what it was about was him going to Crockett. It was right before he oh, came right. to because that's what the issue was. Yeah. He was in the locker room bragging about how much money he was going to make. And uh-huh. Brody said, okay. So you want me to make you look stupid before you leave. That's what you, that's uh-huh. what you say. Yeah. Oh, dude, can you imagine? I love Lex. that about Brody, man. Yeah, but can you, like, that, that's what, that's a that's an episode. What if Lex Luger had <laughs> stiff bruiser Brody? Yeah, what if he'd have shot on Brody? And then you bring him in, and you're like, "All right, you give this guy whatever he wants." And, yeah. he, and then he comes into Crockett. He would this have never. Aura. Nobody would have questioned him about anything. I can tell you that. <laughs> no, <laughs> just because Brody's one of those guys that, and there's a lot of guys in wrestling like that that kind of lived off a of reputation. That did you ever heard the stories about Brody actually beating anybody up? No. I only. Now, you, everybody talks about how tough he was, and I don't doubt that he was. I right. Mean, all those guys were. But I don't. it's not like Haku no. or Harley Race where there's this list of stories. Well, here's what happened. Or Manny Fernandez right. is another guy that you hear. This happened and this happened. And there's all these stories to support right. the reputation that this person has. And I'm, I'm not saying I'm the biggest Brody fan in the world, but I've done pretty extensive research on Brody. And I don't remember 
hearing a lot of these stories, I'm not saying he didn't have a few dust-ups with a few people right. along the way. But there aren't these, yeah, Haku bit this guy's nose off. Right. Haku, Haku tried to take Jimmy Jack Funk's eye out. Right. You know, you don't hear those stories about Brody. He's just a, He had a reputation that he coasted on. And nobody ever tested him. Right. Wow. The I mean, the only outside the ring altercation I ever heard of Brody having was right. the one with the invader. Right. That's crazy. But, yeah, I would love to do a what if. what Rebook yeah. Lex Luger's career. Because <laughs> the dude had the look. He if could have been the Southern Hogan. Yes. If anybody if, – if he didn't have the look, nobody ever did. Right. I mean, jeez. His abs had abs. He had abs. He had <laughs> yeah. muscles around he his had ribs. Like a 16-pack. Yeah. He, but, but they were like on the side of his abs. Uh-huh. Not that I – he, he seemed to be no, he had his body. The the um the overdone dolls that the overdone wrestling dolls they used to right. do, or like the Batman doll uh-huh. with all the abs. Lex Luger really had that. Yeah, like he and the Ultimate Warrior both had that that thing going on. And Luger more than the Warrior. And totally right. natural. Oh, I have no doubt. <laughs> yeah. Um Oh, that's funny. Um Speaking of Brody, though, Brody and Abdullah. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, it ain't you ain't ain't none of them five star classics, but you want to see how to draw some money, you know? Put those guys out there and let them brawl for three minutes and bleed all over the place and destroy. And uh, I don't recall ever seeing either one of them pin the other. No, you know, no. It's- but man, they go out and put a show on cat. They would go into the crowd. Yeah. How many of their matches never even made it into the ring? There was there's one match and it's on I think it's on the uh, it may be on that world class where that was the stipulation it was a cage match and that was why and they talked about it like as they were promoting the match normally we have cage matches to make sure nobody interferes but we these guys <laughs> we're putting them in a cage match because they keep falling out of the ring and brawling all over the crowd we're gonna make sure that you see a finish right. Right. We're going to make sure that these guys have them. We're going to put them in a cage so they can't do that. So it's like this opposite where they flip the cage match thing. Instead of to keep people out, it was to keep them in. Um, and it was promoted and sold as that. Could you do a match where the object was to get into the cage instead of out of the uh, cage? Didn't, uh, Who did that? Didn't TNA do something like that? They did they the thing. The, the battle royal where you had to get back in the ring or something like no, that? No, they did or the thing to- where you – it's, you, you had to the, you had to hang the yeah, belt. You had to hang the belt up. That's right, and that worked well for which them. is actually not a bad. No, I mean I don't think it's a bad gimmick for a match. But no, you just I don't know how you you know. Yeah, I don't think you silly. Right, I don't think you could book. I mean, if you're booking, if wrestlers are supposed to be tough, why are you trying to get into the cage? Why are you trying to get to safety? Right, that would kind and of I defeat never, the well, purpose. Well, I've always hated the WWF. Yes. Climbing out of the cage. I hate that. I think that's so stupid, man. Yeah, I agree. You know, uh, every time they're having a cage match, first of all, there ain't going to be any blood. Right. And second of all, this getting a, escaping the cage crap. Like you said, if I'm supposed to be so tough, why am I running away from the fight? Right. I just, I think the whole feud has been now I got you. 
Let me get away from you. Right. Now I got you. Now I'm going to run from you. And I, th- I th- WWF has the worst cage matches, man. I don't – I yeah. mean, outside of Hell in a Cell. Right. Which I, which I am a fan of. But even now when I hear Hell in a Cell, it ain't – it doesn't get me excited. Like it's it. more like uh, – <laughs> not hell. It's not even Hades in a Cell. It's, it's just heck. Heck. <laughs> and I have a little heck in a Cell. <laughs> it's a, like uh, – so gosh darn in a sale. <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, I don't want to insult any cities. <laughs> I was trying to think like Detroit in a sale or something <laughs> like that. Um, so you talk about you know talk about stipulation matches. Uh, one few that I remember that that centered around a stipulation match, and I remember this vividly because it was the last match of his career, and that was. Uh, in 86, Magnum T.A. and Jimmy Garvin uh, had a program, and it was the program to kind of get Magnum through the summer, and then they were going to put him into, uh, you know, they were going to set him up for Starcade. And I remember this because Jimmy Garvin had feuded with Wahoo McDaniel, and they had had Indian strap matches. And I th- and that kind of set up, so when Magnum started feuding with Jimmy Garvin, and it was the typical Jimmy Garvin feud when he had Precious or whatever, um, but Magnum's last match was, you know, that Indian strap match. In Greenville. In you Greenville. You slapped your hand. That's right. You told him about it. And then he oh, went I on love, his. I love stealing your thunder. But then he went, on, he went on the documentary and said it was a different stipulation. And I wanted to say, no, Magnum. I was there. I was there, brother. I, I remember. Uh, but that was, I, I just remember that whole. And it was probably like maybe only a month or two, but. They did the promos, but to see the match, you had to go to the live shows. But right. they, um, I remember asking one time, and they had done like dozens of those. You know, they had done the whole loop of Indian strap matches. Um, yeah, and I just, I just, I, that was, that's just one I remember. That's one that may be lost to the ages, but for, you know, an 11 year old Heath Mulligan, it left an impression on yeah. me. Um, and again, that's to me, those mid eighties, that's when Jimmy Garvin was at his once Jimmy Garvin turned babyface and went after the world title for Flair. He his gimmick, that was you're a heel. Right. He, if there there if you ever had a heel, it was Jimmy Garvin. Yeah. He was like he's underrated. He's an underrated guy, man. Yeah. Uh, if you go back and watch some of his old matches, he's really good, man. He is a great yeah, he's really good. chicken heel. Uh-huh. This Wasp is a good heel. Um, Sabu and Taz was a good Oh. was a good rivalry. Man, there's some good stuff in ECW, man. Um, but Sabu and Taz, we've talked about them a bunch. Um, Steamboat and Douglas and the Hollywood Blondes. Yes. I loved. Um, just because – that was that um you know we've talked about it before i think when you when your your taste in wrestling start to change yeah where you know remember hogan and andre and hogan and savage and stuff like that hogan and warrior mm-hmm. um where you kind of saw it as that and but you also grew up watching the heat of of the southern wrestling like we did yeah the roads and the and the horsemen and everything, that all that was really story driven. Yeah, and then, um, to 
to watch Steamboat and and Douglas or Steamboat and and Dustin Rhodes with the Hollywood Blondes, and it just you start to realize what you really like about wrestling, and mm. they and they, they weren't going to be a main event, but but those were great matches, and it just started changing my sensibilities about wrestling. Where hmm. I was, I remember saying. I don't, I'm, I'm trying to explain. I don't know how to put it into words, what I'm trying to say. It was almost too good. Right. That, and you didn't understand it. Right. But you knew that you liked it. Right. And this is, it's, I, I, like, I'll equate it to Tom Petty in music. Yeah. When you're a certain age and it's all about the flash and, yeah. the, st- and the sizzle. Yeah. You know? Right. But then you, you find Tom Petty, who's not flashy. Right, he's not good looking. He doesn't have nice clothes. Doesn't really have a great voice. But man, he's he's not about the sizzle at all. But what an incredible steak! Yeah, and that was what the Hollywood Blondes versus Steamboat and Douglas for me was. It wasn't the sizzle, wasn't all that. But man, what a great steak! And it's it just changed how I thought about wrestling. I don't know. Do you th- so? What I hear you saying is that it, for the first time. The match, the actual match, overshadowed the drama. Right, 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 you. right. I don't remember storylines, no, anything like that. But just I that just, they were feuding over the belt. I just remember loving every time those guys had a match. Just it blew my mind. And then, uh, I mean, you just hated to see the way it went down, where they got kind of buried. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, the Hollywood Blondes, and they brought in Flair, and he came back, and they had the match with Arn and, and Flair, the two out of three falls match. It was so good. Yeah. And then they split them up. And then one of them, uh, one of them got hurt. Yeah. And then the next thing, you know, I've always, like, that feud was just getting started. And then it moved to the WWF. Yeah. And dude, if Brian Pillman hadn't had that Humvee accident and crushed his ankle, those guys would have had a WrestleMania main event. Because they were so good. They had such a chemistry. And because they were, you know, that when they were partners, yeah, just riding around, they'd been booking this feud. Yeah. Well, and then we're going to break up and then we're going to do, you know, that they had, and Brian Pillman was such a, I mean, such a genius in a lot of ways. And I don't think people, he's like Owen Hart in a lot of ways where I don't think we appreciated him as much as we should have until until he's until he was gone i and that's so unfortunate because i i don't remember all these brian pillman fans at the time and i don't remember all these owen hart fans i was a fan of i'm not uh, i was never a big owen hart fan, right but i was a big brian pillman fan right i can vouch for that i mean i i love the hollywood blondes they're one of my favorite tag teams we bought the belts right because of those guys um but I've always thought that that's like one of the greatest missed rivalries yeah. that I can think of. They had, it would have been so big. We could be had had WCW not you know dropped the ball and had he not been injured, we could easily be talking about them as a top five rivalry of all time. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even talking about WCW stuff. I'm talking about once they went to WWF yeah. on that grand stage in, in Austin. 
and I just their careers would have been tied to one another. Right. And I'm not saying that The Rock wouldn't have still become The Rock and he wouldn't have right. been who he was, but I am saying one of those three matches that Austin had with The Rock would have been Austin or somewhere along the line. It would have been it Austin. It would have been Austin Pillman. Yeah. They would have had a real run for the title. And I really believe that, that, that Pillman would have probably won the title and – you know, because they they paid Pillman a lot of money. They knew yeah. what they had in Pillman. Right, Pillman was a great worker, man. Yes. If you don't get caught up in the Bengals trunks and the mullet, go back and watch his match. He had a match with if Flair he, that was incredible. And I of of, and I mean this all seriously. Of all the wrestling books I've read personally, that one gets the Brian Pillman book gets my highest recommendation. Really? It is. I still so, haven't read it yet. It's on the. It, it's it, sitting there within the stack. Of, it is be so because it was just stuff I didn't know, right? And just how his mind works, and because the author just interviewed these people, these people that had such an influence on Brian Pillman that you just never heard of. These people who he was bouncing ideas off of, and the and you realize, man, Pillman's talking to Meltzer. He's running stuff by Meltzer, and Meltzer, you know, is, is you know one of the people interviewed for the book, and and uh, yeah, I mean, just I mean, hundred percent agree with you know everything you just said. Just so so true, and uh, and so good, and just you know, what did we we missed out on some great stuff there? Yeah, it's unfortunate, man. How about? Uh Another one that was fairly recent. I say fairly recent. I mean, you know, how many more you got? Am I stepping on you? I'm sure you no, got you're something. good. You're good. I, I got see one. his name and it doesn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. It's actually a good one. Um, the Undertaker and Edge, man. Yeah. was a great rivalry. I loved it. I went back uh, a year or two ago. They put an Edge DVD compilation out, mm-hmm. and I kind of rewatched that feud. Man, you talking about from Edge being like that, this guy that was kind of on the up and up, kind of starting to move up, mm-hmm. kind of becoming an upper mid card guy, and had those great matches, and then he cashed in that money in the bank and took the Undertaker's title, and then the Undertaker, I mean, uh, he made him. I mean, he was yeah. a made man after that feud, and right. man, they had some that hell in a cell matches. Good, I think they had like a tables, ladders, and chairs match that, um, or it was table, it was something. I mean, it was. They did a bunch of big stipulations. Right, matches. right. And Edge, I mean, obviously Undertaker ain't falling off no ladders. Right, like that. right. But, I mean, Edge just bounced around like a ping ball yeah. for the Undertaker. And it made him. And, and then he went to the feud, went into the great feud with Cena. Yeah, and which is another really good. Edge and Cena's a, a good feud, man. Very underrated. I don't recall Edge ever having a bad match. No. Nah. Man, he may have, so good, man. but I mean, it, nothing sticks out where you go, boy, remember this time, like you do with a lot of people. You know? Right, 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 um, right. Yeah, I don't recall. And him. again, a lot of that stuff was when I wasn't watching wrestling, unfortunately, and I've yeah. had to go back and <clears throat> catch it. I didn't catch it live. Oh, that's good stuff, man. Um, <clears throat> so let's go back, 85, 86. Um, and I got several reasons why this was on here, but there was a feud that I only could follow in the wrestling magazines. And it's Stan Hansen and Rick Martell mm-hmm. for the AWA title. Mm-hmm. And at this point, <clears throat> I think Martell had had a multi-year reign as champion. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the big thing was Hogan, Martell, Flair. Who's the best? And <clears throat> they had all held. A young Heath Mulligan wasn't, <coughs> wasn't exactly sold on the fact 
that Martell wasn't the best, <laughs> even I, as an adult. I still. knew, I knew one of these was not like the other. <laughs> yeah. But I just remembered that's that's what the magazines pushed uh-huh. is who's the best, and they all had these. And I just remember when Hanson went in. I didn't know a lot about Hanson, but I'm like, who is this guy right. coming in? Who is this guy? I'm a Martell <laughs> fan. But I just remember uh, following it in the magazines that Hanson injured his back, and I remember getting the issue that he had won. And I was like, he won the match with a Boston Crab? I had never heard of anybody winning a match <laughs> with a Boston Crab. Uh-huh. And so from that day, I'm like, Stan Hansen's got the greatest Boston Crab in the world. <laughs> like, this man's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and then I finally you know, got to see the finish of that match. But it's, it's a great rival for me because it really – it. For the early 80s of when I got into wrestling, because those were the three guys that were the champions. And they ended that era of wrestling, but it also ended the era of those just really, like at that point in time, people were still having two and three year title mm-hmm. reigns. And this marked kind of the end of that. It also marked the end really of the AWA in, in some sense. Because it was only four or five years later, they're done, and it and it start. You see the wheels starting to come off, because Han, Han, you know, the whole deal with Hanson, where he doesn't want to drop the title to Bachwinkle, and then he runs over the belt, and it's like the wheels just start coming off. Uh, for yeah, Vern. the wheels came off <laughs> when he he. I mean, obviously, he lost Mean Gene, he lost Bobby Heenan. That's right. That's and right. And he he wasn't smart enough to keep Hulk Hogan. Right. You know, he just didn't see it, and that was it, man. I mean, if you could, he just all he had to do was stay away from Hogan's money. Yeah, let him have his t-shirt money, and we might be talking about a completely different wrestling landscape today because they were making a lot of money with Hulk Hogan and the AWA. What if? That say again. That's another what if. Yeah. What if all those guys had? I've always like you know I, you wonder. Let's say Hogan didn't go to AWA. Vince still had his plan. Yeah. You know, who does he get? Who would he have used? And I think I've always thought it wouldn't have worked because there's a different work ethic there and different mentality. So there's another what if that has to go into it. If Kerry Von Erich had his head on straight and Vince McMahon could have plugged him into that Hulk Hogan role, I still don't know that it wouldn't have right. done just as, just as big a business. Maybe even Kurt Hennig could have – I don't. I don't know if he was big enough to right. fill the. But Kerry Von Erich could have could have done it because he, he was a decent worker. Right. Um, if he could, you have to change everything about the guy. He'd have to yeah. have a completely different work ethic. He wouldn't be able to use drugs, and he'd have to learn to cut promos. So I mean, a tall task. Right. It's a tall. You know. So there's that. So it, I don't know that it would have worked with Von Erich. But can you imagine Kerry at that point in his career? Having Vince coaching him on promos. And, right. And not only that, maybe removing him from an environment where it was okay for him to do anything he wanted to do. Right. Right. Yeah, because that is what a lot of the criticism winds up being. Right. Because there was da- nobody there saying, stop, you know. And yeah, your dad kind of turned. Turned a blind it, eye to them getting in trouble. And yeah. Then, you know. So who knows? If you put him up there with Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon's this you know, father figure for for right. lack of a better term. That's say, like you said, coaching him and helping him with the promos because Ultimate Warrior couldn't cut a promo, right? But they worked around, it right? And right. figured out. Just let him 
what can he do? Rant, let him rant and rave, and, and yeah. at least it, it won't make sense, but at least it'll captivate it'll captivate people. people. Yeah, right. You couldn't look away from him. Yeah, and Kerry Von Erich had that. I remember seeing Kerry in the um, in the wrestling magazines and thinking, I gotta, I gotta. See. He had that X factor. I gotta see this guy. I gotta oh see yeah. Him. I want to see him have his matches, man. He because he was just incredible looking. Yeah, he he. Kerry Von Erich had the physique that when you saw him, you didn't not immediately think, "Well, that guy's on steroids." No, no, he he didn't. But he had a great look. I mean, when I again, I go back to what I said earlier. I started watching World Class on Saturday mornings, and I was absolutely captivated by the Von Erichs. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I carry, and still am. I still love to watch that stuff. Yeah, I mean, um, and, I watched. I mean, recently watched the the cage match with Kerry and Flair. Wow! And I haven't got to to watch it yet, but they just uh, the Hidden Gems put up David versus Harley. Wow! From the seventies, I think it was seventies. It might have been a little, little, little later than that, but. Yeah, they just put a match up with David Von Erich versus Harley Race. Dude, if, if Fritz could have combined all his sons into one wrestler, he'd have had the perfect wrestler. Oh, jeez, man. Because yeah. David could cut really fiery. He would trip over his words sometimes. That's, but not, very that's not a bad thing. No, right, right, right. You know? But very David had very believable promos. Kerry had the look. David really had some really good technical skill. Kevin had just this athleticism. Mike, yeah. super nice guy. Chris, the heart of a lion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he had the wheel. You know, I mean, he had the wheel to do it, but he was a poor guy. Yeah. I mean, just didn't his body just. Yeah. But, getting, it's getting to be a downer now. Yeah. Um, uh, how about Sting Invader? Yeah. Sting Invader. A, that was another one, man, that I, I still watch those matches. Yeah, I mean it. That's some good stuff, man. Some good hard hitting, snot bubble wrestling, man. And took it Sting to a different level. Yeah, had, had different kind of matches. You you you're smiling like you're gonna crack on me or something. No, no, I, no, 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 not you at all. You kind of had this. Oh, I no, no. I just no. I I thought about how I want to close out because we got like ten minutes left of all audio right, time. So, so we got that, and then um, Mitsuhiro Masawa versus Kenta Kobashi. Um, if you Follow, you know, you had Saruta and Masawa. Yeah. And when Masawa finally beats Saruta. Yeah. It's this big deal, man. He finally did it. Yeah. And then they read, like, for 10 years, they do the Kobashi-Masawa thing. We're just kind of like with the Okada Omega thing. Yeah. It's not every, but once every year or two, these guys would have, like, this 45-minute or hour-long match. And it was just incredible and it finally culminates in noah yeah where as i've talked about it before probably still this probably not my favorite match but it's one of the greatest matches i've ever seen it's like an almost an hour worth of high spots yeah bumping on the head and kobashi finally beats masawa yeah and then they had that's their technically not their last match but that's they had a 10 minute exhibition match yeah at like a charity event yeah after that but like it culminated with Kobashi finally getting the big win over Masawa, and it's like a five or six matches are out there. I think I'm sure they had more, but I mean the major matches, and every one of them's five stars, and every right. one of them's an incredible match, and they're two of 
if if not the greatest, two of the greatest professional wrestlers of all time. Right. Um, and just. And if you if you're watching go this, go out of your way to watch that stuff. Those matches are just insane. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I want to go back. I want to go back and do commentary for some of those matches because yeah. it's all you, now maybe. No, I don't think on New Japan World they've gone back and done English commentary, but that would be awesome. Yeah. Can you imagine Jim Ross going back and doing – can you imagine Mark Whitman and Heath Mulligan doing commentary on yeah. that? Yeah. Anyway, <clears throat> what else you got? We've talked about the rivalries we liked, uh-huh. ones that hooked us, ones that captivated us. Give me one or two rivalries wrestling could have done without. Uh, Cena and Miz. Ah yes, I think so. I just I don't like the Miz, and um, that was mistimed. Yeah, just bad timing. Um, uh, Bret Hart and um, Shawn Michaels, as good as some of those matches were, that was the end of wrestling, man. That mm. that Montreal thing, to me, just I don't know. It was just like announcing to the world that Vince McMahon decides who wins and loses. And, you know, does that make sense? No, it totally uh, makes sense. The way the, just the way that, as great as it was, as great as the matches were, the way that it all finally wrapped up, at least in ring, taking out the later years when they allegedly right. buried the hatchet that I still don't necessarily right. believe they buried. I think right. they just made good in public. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they texting each other on holidays and whatnot right but just that exposing of everything on a big stage like that it just left it that behind. didn't have to happen it didn't have to happen and i don't know man i just think the way that whole deal wrapped up it just left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths and wrestling took off at, you know but it just i don't know man it was like the end of the innocence yeah of what it was, and here's this, you know, Vince McMahon's in control, and he's telling you who wins and loses, so he just rang the bell. Right. I mean, every think about this. Everything that people hate about wrestling, Roman, not everybody, excuse me, all the people who boo Roman Reigns and hate Roman Reigns, they hate him because it goes, well, Vince – is right. doing this. Vince right. is shoving him down our throat, and that goes right. all the way back to and Montreal. And that's what I'm saying. The, all that kind of goes back to that moment. And So, yeah, I think we could have done without that. Yeah. And um, the most overrated match in history is their WrestleMania match. Right. That Iron Man match at WrestleMania. Anybody that says it's the greatest match or whatever, they ain't watched it. No. Yeah. It, They've watched it in highlight form. Right. If you have to sit through that match, the Omega Okada hour long match incredible is on a completely different level yes, than that Hart. It is. And that, Bre- that Bret Hart Shawn Michaels Iron Man match is maybe the most overrated, overhyped match in wrestling history. It's not that good. Hundred percent agree with Go you. Go back and watch it. Yeah. Prove me wrong. It's not that good. And the finish is just ridiculous. Right. Yeah. What are, what are we doing here? You know, you got a stipulation and, um, yeah, just uh, – and because no one had ever done that before and everybody's thinking there's going to be all these falls and there's none. Right. And that I think if they'd have had – because, you know, Kurt Angle and Brock Lesnar, another great rivalry for match quality. Yeah. Um, they did the Iron Man match on SmackDown. That's one of the best – it's the best Iron Man match. Yeah. You know, go back and watch that, man. It's on the network. Um. 
the one that I thought of. Because I did go back and watch it about a year ago, and it's great. Uh, a rivalry I could have done without. Rock and Roll Express and the New Breed. Yeah. I like the New Breed. They came in. They had the fight for your right to party. They were supposed to be from the future. Chris Champion. And it made me think of this because you posted Chris <laughs> yeah. Champion getting Steiner lined by Rick Steiner in the patrons group. And uh, Sean Royal. So, new guys. They had a new look. Hopefully, they got paid for those haircuts they had. Um, but it was a feud that it was like, I want to like both of these teams. And they started feuding and, you know, we're the future or whatever. And it never took off. And then one of them got hurt. And so it just never. I never wanted to like the new breed. Even then, I was kind of smart markish like in my things about it. I never was into that crap. They just earned points with me coming into Beastie Boys. Uh, they were crap. I thought they were crap then, and I think they're crap now. I just, I, when I saw it then, I was like, nope. No, no, no. That's what, ridiculous. Well, that's what I'm saying. In hindsight, it was, that's what I'm saying. It was terrible. But at the time, I was like, oh, man, you know, they were different. No, I'm saying at the time, you knew they I were, knew it was terrible. You were ahead of your time. I was. I mean, really, I, you know, you're not braggadocious. I'll say no, it for I, you. One thing I'm not, I don't like is for anybody to ever think I'd be bragging about anything. I'm not known to brag. And you also, I don't want to speak for you, but you also don't want anybody to think that you wouldn't accept any praise that would be heaped upon you. No, no, I'm not into that at all. I don't. Please hold your applause. I'm trying to stay humble. You know, we try to stay humble with this podcast. We're trucking right along. We're well over. 200 episodes over four years in we're gonna be after all these po other podcasts go the way of the dodo bird go the way of the new breed we're still gonna be here we're still gonna be here plugging along talking about the wrestling maybe we need to change the tagline we talk about the wrestling we want to. <laughs> yeah. The only podcast where we talk about what we want to. But legitimately, if you want to become a patron. And I was talking to somebody, talking to Boomer. We got 90,000 people in our group. If just half of you would become patrons, it'd be life-changing. And for a dollar a month, we really are trying to, to create a community where there's so many Facebook groups out there and all the memes and all that. And in our patrons group, it's very controlled. It is, it is the... We're only we're we're either talking about gold, the greatest stuff, or the stuff that was so bad it was good. Um, I have said this a thousand times. I think we got a hundred thousand people in there. We let way too many people advertise for free. Well, I don't do that anymore. Right, but I think we just need to let them know. Hey, if you want to advertise here, it's a right. dollar a month. Right. I mean, listen, if you're a patron. Yeah, you're yeah. Even if I don't like your post, I approve it. Right, right. I got no problem with that. I'm saying all these people with their podcast. One guy, the, the to be the man comic or whatever, yeah. they were paying all these people but wanting to post in our group right. for free. No. Yeah. I'm sorry. You sorry. pay us too. Right. You know? Right. And and you're posting in like twenty groups. We're just another one of your groups. Right, right. Well, there's nothing special about us. No. 
We want a relationship. We want I don't, you to, I don't even want a relationship. I just want you. When I say relationship, I, want, I mean a financial right, transaction. I want you to pay me a dollar a month to advertise your stuff. Well, that is the nature of the relationship that I'm wanting. Right. That's right. all I can. A dollar a month. A dollar a month. Speaking of advertising, SOSCustomTees.com is where I am wearing my Life's Too Short to Watch Bad Wrestling shirt right now. You can get that great SOS shirt. Custom Tees. That's a great shirt. You got a quote on a shirt. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, you got a whole website dedicated to you. What are you talking about? Mulligan Strong. Team Mulligan takes you to the T-shirt. I know. One T-shirt. I got a picture from... Uh, One T-shirt? Hey, thanks to everybody that bought a, a T-shirt. Um, I think we ended up selling about 25 T-shirts. Uh, so we're making a contribution of $75 to the Huntington's Disease Society of America. Uh, Tracy Sanders' brother, Alan, shout out to him, sent me a picture. He climbed a mountain in Georgia... Wearing the shirt with his sons nice. and texted it to me. I'm very appreciative of that. Appreciative. Appreciative. That's not a word. Appreciative. Appreciative of everybody's support. And uh, you can still get that shirt at teammulligan.com. Uh, Maybe I need to get Mark Whitman quote shirt.com. Would that make you happy? <laughs> no, I don't need all that. Right. Uh, we just need you to buy a shirt. Uh, Patreon.com slash Double Dropkick SOS Custom Network. I'll be honest with you, we could be millionaires by now, and I'd never know. So it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't I keep looking where there's no camera. <laughs> yeah, uh, you do. Uh, I don't know what else I was going to say. SOS Custom Network.com, seven day free trial. It's only four ninety nine. After that, uh, we're we're trying to do a lot of original uh, content. I sat down with Boomer Payne and his friend Brandon K from a match they had in two thousand. Uh, just posted that where they just it's a show called In Their Own Words and they just talk about what went into the match. They they talk about the match. They talk about the feud. Uh, I actually sat down and did that with Chris Hamrick about a match. I'm having to uh, uh, shall we say edit some of the audio on that. Uh, as uh, Chris Hamrick is uh, the only way to describe Chris Hamrick is he's Chris Hamrick, and so uh, so uh, it was a match he did up in Pennsylvania. Uh, so I'm working on that, but lots of lots going on. And uh, if you know what time it is, it's getting to be lunchtime, and that's one of the biggest decisions we make on recording day. It's true. And uh, there's never any argument or or really discussion. We find some place to eat, and we do it well. We're the best. Uh, we're the best in the world at what we do. Besser is, besser was, besser will be. That's when right. It comes to eat. That's right. iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, download, subscribe, rate, leave us a review. Take a minute and leave us a review. It boosts my ego. I don't even show Mark the reviews. Only the good ones. And uh, if you're a patron, do we ever get like the comments on the website? Do we still get negative comments there? No, we get a lot of spam comments like, yeah. "Hey, your website needs da 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 da." So, I have a pretty pretty hefty spam filter on yeah. that. So, a lot of those comments go to uh, the trash. Go to the <laughs> trash automatically. Uh, so, if you do become a patron, learn to have a little. We're just having fun in there. Don't take it personally. Don't take things personally. Take anything I say personally. Jeez, man. <laughs> I mean, 
I do this for fun. Right. You know? And that this, yeah. I'm, a, I'm playing the curmudgeon role. Right. There's no reason to text Heath and ask him <laughs> if things are off the rails. I'm just, I'm just having fun. I'll never I'm not su- yeah. really disappointed in him. I don't care what he does in his free time. <laughs> right. Because... As you know, I pay him in other ways. That's right. So, hey, thank you for listening to the Double Drop Kick Show. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for being there. Thanks for always being there, Doc. Uh, so, as always, this is what it is. I don't think our show's ever going to change. We are who we are. If you want to pay us money, we'll be who you want us to be. Although we draw the line at uh woo. <laughs> So, a little inside joke there. Uh, people know what that means. Oh, do they? So you know. <laughs> yeah. Thought that was just something you came up no, with. No, I did not make that up, Heath. For the moment, that is a real term that people understand and people know what it means. Well, law dog don't go around here. Savvy. Uh, that's what you meant, law dog. Law dog, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna have to woo myself. I mean, you were quoting Tombstone. You meant you meant to say Law Dog, right? I quoted several movies in here. Mm-hmm. So you back that Queen one more time, <laughs> boy. Right up that Wildcats, but you guys more nerve wracking than my brother's kids. <laughs> Speaking of my brother's kids, for the Double Drop Kick Show, I'm Heath Mulligan and I'm Mark Whitman. And that's it this week, fans. So long for now.